Now I can hear me. Uh, <laughs> welcome back to another week of Behind the Lens. I'm film critic, creator, and host of Behind the Lens, Debbie Elias. And we go behind the lens, below the line, the movers, the shakers, the film and TV makers, the producers, the writers, directors, the costumers, the cinematographers, the production designers, the actors. Uh, who else? We talk to everybody. And we love it. Um, been a big week. First, I, I have to, at the top of the show here, I just have to say, you know, my deepest condolences to the Reitman family. Over the weekend, we just lost Ivan Reitman. A total surprise. Um, he was just getting ready. They were supposed to start shooting triplets with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito uh, in three weeks. Um, totally unexpected. I had the pleasure of interviewing Ivan a number of years ago. I've interviewed his son Jason as well. Uh, and my deepest sympathies to the Reitman family. This is, there are no words. We have lost a legend, a comedy legend with Ivan's passing. But now, since since we were last here, we've had a Super Bowl, we, which I don't care about. Um, we had Oscar nominations come out. Some expected, some surprises, some big snubs. I think one of the biggest snubs is Denny Villanueva was not nominated for Best Director for Dune. Ultimate shocker on that one. Um, many others, uh, many other snubs and, and surprises. Disappointments as well. Rita Moreno did not get a Best Supporting Actress nod for her work in West Side Story. But West Side Story overall did really, really well with nominations, as did Belfast and Dune, as well as Jane Campion, who has just made history as the, the only female director to pick up two Oscar nominations. So we'll see what happens uh, come Oscar Sunday. But in the meantime, don't forget, SAG Awards are coming up on February 27th. Uh, Hollywood Critics Association Awards are coming up on February the 28th. And then the Critics' Choice Awards are in March. So you've still got three big award shows coming up for award season before we wrap it up with Oscars. But right now, we're going to jump ahead with today's show on Behind the Lens. I'm so excited. Valentine's Day. Gotta, ha gotta have a rom-com. Gotta have a rom-com. And we're going to be talking about Along Came Wanda with writer-director Jan Miller-Grant, as well as, at 11.30, the midpoint of the show, we're going to talk with Patrick Longstreth about Iron Family, fresh off their Slam Dance Audience Award for Best Documentary Feature. So, and Jan is already on the line. I love prompt people. So without any further ado, welcome Jan Miller Coran. Hello. Hello, good morning or good afternoon or whatever it is. Whatever it is. Um I am look, any woman that is an executive producer 
of a Sam Elliott film is okay by me. <laughs> I know. Oh, God, and he was he's, he is as wonderful as you think he is. I, I first met Sam many, many decades ago, The Yellow Rose. It was one of his first productions he worked on, one oh of the first gosh. ones I worked on as a lowly little PA. Uh, oh, I love. He's just a jewel to be around. Yeah, he I really love is. love him dearly, and I have to say, "I'll see you in my dreams." Really gave him a resurgence. Absolutely. So Absolutely. the women of the world may thank you as one of the producers. <laughs> um, it was my pleasure <laughs> for. But not only that, I mean, you gave us, you know, Bly Danner was there, Mary Kay Place. I mean, you know, these wonderful, wonderful, I like to call us all ARP age actors. Yeah. Yes. Uh, um, everybody had new life breathed into them, but especially Sam. And, yeah. you know, Brett did a, an amazing job with the script, with the story. And Brett, I had met years ago, his first film uh, at L.A. Film Festival. Uh, uh-huh. So to see Brett's progression... And I was just, everybody was just bowled over. But to be reminded of the wonder that is Sam Elliott, we all owe you. We all owe you and the rest of the producing team. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I wish I could take all the credit for it. Uh, but, um, you know, it was mainly I got the call saying, guess who signed on? So that was it. You know. <laughs> well, now... You are here with your first feature directorial. This is a big, big moment for you, Jan. Um, it is a big moment. I, you know, I, I've been involved in films for a long time. Mm-hmm. And um, my last film I did, you know, I wrote it and produced it. But this time I thought, oh, why not be brave and direct it? <laughs> and direct it you have. Uh, along came Wanda. And along came Wanda was directed during the height of the pandemic, no less, and the lockdowns. Oh, God. yes, it really was. Um, you know, it was even during the pandemic before we had vaccinations. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, so, um, yeah, it's, a, it's another piece of making films now. You know, it's just all part of what we do. Well, um, you know, what you had, and this is a perfect film to be coming out now on Valentine's Day, because you always need some good rom-coms that make you laugh, that touch the heart. That's what Valentine's is about. That is what Valentine's is about. Hoping, hoping people will go out there and find their Valentine. Yeah, I've, all, I've said, and they said, people said to me, well, I don't have a partner now. And I said, hey, bring your dog to the sofa and watch a film. I mean... You know, it's a furry buddy is just fine. Hey, I um, I do quite well with just me. Me, that's it. Me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm much happier sitting there on the couch watching, screening films, and watching films I love, um, all by myself with no one to interrupt. Ah, that part. See that part. That part. Yeah. But along came Wanda. This is so interesting because this started as a short. During the pandemic, you made the short, then you wrote the feature and made the feature. Yes, I know. Were you <laughs> bored? Were you bored, Jan? Well, well, well weren't we all in some <laughs> way? Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I really 
I did the short film, which just involved, um, really was focused on Mary Beth, the mm-hmm. main character, and then brought in uh, a wonderful Kathy DiBuono as uh, Wanda. And then at the end of it, they both looked at me and said, well, aren't we going to take them on the trip that they've talked about? And I sat down and wrote a feature. So. Yeah, and yeah, I wasn't familiar with Constance Brenneman's uh, work, who stars as Mary Beth, but I'm well familiar with Kathy DeBuono's work. Kathy plays Wanda for all of her work as Cassie in Crazy Bitches with right. Jane Clark. Um, so I was in on, like, the ground floor with Jane and Crazy Bitches. So... I'm well familiar with Kathy's work, and I got to tell you, she just gets better and better, more outrageous, more, yeah, she is in your face, she is there and here as Wanda, she's got a heart of gold, she's shy, but she, and she's tentative, but she covers up that shyness and hesitation with being boisterous and enthusiastic and exuberant. And she's just wonderful to watch. Yeah, I, I tell you, it's, somebody said to me, did uh, you let Kathy do any improvisation? And I said, well, of course. <laughs> you know, I mean, she has marvelous uh, comedic timing. Yes. And some of the things Kathy would say, can I try this? And I would just say, run with it, because she's, she just really knows what she's doing and gosh, she came off so well when she pulled some of her comedic little touches in this thing. I mean, just the, the whole film is just so enjoyable to watch. Um, but briefly, set up for the listeners the premise of Along Came Wanda, which started as your short. How about a cup of tea? Um, it's yeah. It started out really. If if you a cup of tea isn't out there too much in many places. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's on uh, I don't know where it is right now. Um, it was, I didn't really put it out there because it was my experiment mm-hmm. to see if I could write and direct something. Um, but um, in that, it was mainly that after about twenty years, um, Mary Beth really is at home a lot, like the rest of us. Her husband is in Europe doing his work and his job can't come home because of the pandemic. Um, She's home with her wonderful teenage son. And I think kind of like hopefully all of us did, uh, we sat down and we said, "Um, what am I doing with my life? Mm -hmm. And so it was really born out of that feeling that we need to use this, you know, believe it or not to me, the pandemic and having to quarantine, um, a lot of things was a gift. Because we get to sit down and say, once we're done with all of this, what are we going to do with our life? Mm-hmm. Um, and Mary Beth decides, you know, it's time um, for a divorce to happen. And, um, you know, an amicable divorce. They both agree. And um, then she decides to move on. And her good friend, Wanda, who was the UPS driver <laughs> delivering boxes through this pandemic, um, says to her, you know, uh, let's go on a trip. And Mary Beth is definitely not up for a vacation, but Wanda assures her this is no vacation. This is a journey. Mm-hmm. And so 
Wanda is going to take her to places that, you know, she hopes will open up a new world to Mary Beth um, of thinking about things. Um, they go to a Buddhist retreat. They, you know, they go meet a friend who happens to be a psychic. Um, they do all of these things which um, are a whole new world for Mary Beth. All the while, Wanda is really looking at Mary Beth with different eyes than she did before. And in turn, Mary Beth is looking at Wanda a little differently. (laughs) (laughs) So it's definitely a journey. (laughs) It it is a journey. And it's also a journey for anybody watching because something that you do that I think is so lovely, in this journey you shot this whole thing in like North Hollywood, Silmar area. Um, You and your DP, Cameron Schmucker, I got to tell you, you picked out some of the most beautiful areas for people that think the valley, San Fernando Valley, that it's yucky or it has a bad connotation. Watch this film because it looks so beautiful. The spots that you pick and that you showcase and you and Cameron together, you keep the entire film. It's bright. It's you've got a light tone, a light visual tonal bandwidth to it. You saturate your colors just enough to make things pop and, you know, get the juices flowing and how pretty it looks. Just, you have made Silmar and Noho look beautiful. Oh, I hope, yeah, they can thank me too. Yeah, <laughs> see? Just kidding. By the time I'm done, everybody's going to be thanking you, Jan, you know. Yes. Um, well, I'll tell you, Cameron Schmucker is a young um, filmmaker, I mean, cinematographer. Um, someone who has done a few films recommended him to me, and um, he had the same mind's eye that I did. And, uh, you know, he he loved being able to capture the beauty around mm-hmm. us. And yeah. I, I really... I'm not going to recommend him too highly because I want to keep him. <laughs> I don't want I don't want anyone to take him. So. No, it's it's just absolutely beautiful. And I think this is one of the great advantages that you have also with this film is shooting during lockdown. Number one, you've got some great drone footage and whatnot of the freeways being empty. Um, yeah. It's something we don't see. Uh, so that was a treat to see that. But also, because cars were not out, people were not out, the air was cleaner. The sky was cleaner. So the greens are looking greener. You've got less in the air. Uh, The sky is looking bluer. So that really benefited any filmmaker who was shooting. Uh, And especially here with this film, because you showcase it so beautifully, is the vibrancy and energy of life coming forth. Oh, wow. I got to write that one down. <laughs> That's great. You know, seriously, when we were there, we all commented. All the the crew and all of the actors were saying, like, "Oh my God, I don't think I've ever looked at these mountains the same way." There's always been like a, a haze, yeah. in the film over everything, and we could actually breathe when we were filming. Oh, it was very nice. Yeah, I noticed it, you know, watching as you're going from place to place. As Wanda and Mary Beth are going on their journey. Um, and everything looked clearer, cleaner, brighter. 
And yeah, and it, that's not camera tricks. No, that was not post production. That was not done in post. Um, having been, you know, in the San Fernando Valley for many years and driving around and knowing the Silmar region, um, yeah, it does not normally look that that lovely. Mm. There are lovely places, but they don't normally look that crisp and clean. Yeah, well, you know, I I love doing scouting for for a film um, because sometimes you just really discover some wonderful gems out there uh, that people just don't believe could be in their own backyard. Well, you absolutely did. Now, do you want to tell us what locations you found so everybody can go see them for themselves? <laughs> Actually, no, you know, I really was at two different residential places in uh, in NoHo, I mean, you know, North Hollywood, and uh, then, you know, we found a ranch mm-hmm. that was uh, not too far off of, I can't remember what freeway we were off of, but it was sort of like you made a right and all of a sudden, you there know, it is. miraculous place was there, so uh, near Silomar. Mm-hmm. And, and speaking of that ranch that you have, you also cast the wonderful Adam Huss, who... Oh, I love Adam Huss. I, I first met Adam many years ago with a little film he did called Wannabe directed by yes. Ri- by Richard Keith and as a matter of fact yesterday I just got the link from Richard for Wannabe 2 which Adam is in. Yes. So and I It's good. It's good. I've seen it. It's oh. really good. It's it's a good great film. I'm jealous. Okay, I got to talk to Richard about this. Uh, you know, you got to see Wannabe 2 before me. Uh, did. Okay. I'm sorry, oh. but Adam and I have been friends a long time. <laughs> he's just so lovely, so wonderful, and he's such a good actor. And well, I will never do, there are a couple people I will never do a film without, and one of them is Adam. Oh, that's so wonderful. Now, you know, you came up with some really quirky, fun stuff. In along came Wanda. While they're while Wanda and Mary Beth are going on their journey, they're going on their journey in a very small, quote unquote, RV that doubles as Wanda's soup kitchen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the production design and the creation and the implementation of this small—it's more like an oversized van—is so. Well, and in, in truth, that's exactly what it is. It's no. it's beautiful. The production design, the in, how that was tricked out inside, was fabulous. That was well, really it's actually, well done. There's a friend of mine who lives right not, not too far from me, and it's his. And I said, "Can I borrow your van for a movie? Um, because he'll rent it out to people to go up to Tahoe for the weekend, where they don't need much. Mm-hmm. They're going to be skiing and." You know, uh, and just a little place to sleep. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's, it is a real funky little van that exists. It's adorable. But I have to say, the, the scene, you've got a scene in there where they're at the Buddhist, you know, rec, you know relaxation meditation place. And Mary Beth is sleeping inside the house, but Wanda is sleeping in the little RV or RV slash van. There's no heat <laughs> I in there. Always laugh when I think about that scene. Oh my yes. God! Number one, she's got her Doctor Zeus one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish pajama pants on. Well, of so, course it's Wanda. Of, of course, I was so excited to see Doctor Zeus pajamas on someone. 
So, but then she crawls in and she's so cold. It's like you can almost see her teeth chattering. And she has her jacket on and the and and a comforter and another comforter. And she's huddled up. And you know, I was waiting for a scarf to get wrapped around her face in lieu of a mask. Um, but <laughs> just it was so funny, so funny. Yeah, and there there is there is sort of a punch action. That she has, but let's let, let everybody watch the movie and find yes. out what Wanda does. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, how challenging was the editing on this one, Jan? Especially for you as a first-time feature director, finding that balance uh, of comedy. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I, um, had done the movie, I had done the movie Snapshots mm-hmm. in 2018, and um, the editor for that was Josh Rifkin. So when I did this, I asked Josh if he would be the editor for this. Um, and I happen to live near San Francisco. So I said to Josh, how are we going to do this? Because I can't be at your house every day doing this. Nor did he want anyone going in and out of his house um, while he was editing because of the pandemic. You know, mm-hmm. he, had, he had little kids. You don't want anybody. So we did this all literally long distance um, with him setting me snippets and pieces and what do you think of this and what do you think of that and can we roll this into that. And so, um, again, but because it was Josh and he knows how I feel about things, mm-hmm. um, we managed to literally edit this film long distance with maybe only 10 to 12 re-edits wow um you know and so it it went and that's why believe it or not i i wrote this film in like december of 2020 mm-hmm. in march we're filming it in 2021 wow um and now here we are one you know here we are sitting in february 2022 and it's releasing so imagine how quickly <sighs> in about 14 months we went from let's write it and then now let's release it. Your turnaround. And I owe that a lot to the editor, Josh. Your turnaround is amazing. But I love Josh's work here and the balance that you have and finding those comedic beats. Because in between the comedic beats are some very heartfelt moments and mm-hmm. moments of discovery for Mary Beth that are much more sedate than Wanda's moments. Uh- yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're like yin and yang, and it's so wonderful to watch uh, Constance and Kathy play off of each other. Um, really a joy. You did such a good job casting this. Um, but Oh, thank you. But kudos to Josh on, you know, on the two of you on finding that balance and that timing. Because never does this, the film does not lag. It comes in, you know, you don't, you're not looking at your watch. Like, is this ever going to end? Um, you get none of that. You have the, it's tight. It has an easy breezy flow to it. It's just so well done, Jan. And then you ice it with music that is really kind of frothy and light that matches the rest of the tone of the film. Oh, uh, well, K- Kanoa Wolf uh, Doblin was the composer and, uh, I, I just love the music he created. And then, if you notice, um, Monica Young, Laura, the, the character Laura, um, who is um, sort of 
I don't know, she's kind of quickly gets very hot for Mary Beth. Very much so. Um, and, and, but the actress who played her actually wrote and sang our theme song, uh, Just Be. I mean, I just felt like I was surrounded by wonderful, just uber-talented people uh, coming forth to add to this film. Well, you know, and I would be remiss not to bring up Roberta Hanton, who plays our psychic, Davina Moonbeam. What a role. She uh, just, oh, my God. I love her performance. I love that character. There's a (laughs) There's a sincerity. Because normally when you think of psychics, okay, you think of everybody who's old enough thinks of, you know, calling the psychic network psychic hotline with Dion Warwick oh, yeah. promoting it. Um, and then, you know, psychics typically have a, a charlatan kind of essence around them. Uh, but this, the character of Davina Moonbeam, the way that Roberta plays it is so sincere and so honest. I really, really loved watching that, that arc and that performance. Oh, I will let her know that you have said that. I, she's a marvelous actress, um, and I will tell you, this is called, you know, The Secrets of Making the Film. Um, another actress was to play the part, and then, but COVID came. She got sick, and she couldn't do it one week before we were shooting all of Davina Moonbeam. And I had loved Roberta's work, and Roberta said, sure, I'll step in, and... <laughs> Um, I, I just think the you know, the universe was smiling on mm-hmm. me <laughs> when, uh, Roberta became available and, uh, she said, you know, I've never had to learn so many lines so quickly in my life, but, uh, she pulled it off. Um, and everyone just seems to fall in love with Davina. <laughs> yeah, they just they just want to have a reading by Davina. You know? I, it's, and and it's and I sympathize with Roberta because it's true. She has her scenes are very dialogue heavy. A uh, very, very dialogue heavy. You didn't go easy on her. No, I didn't. <laughs> but luckily, she was a trooper and she managed. Uh, yeah, she managed beautifully. You know, I have to ask you, Jan. I know that you're uh, you've got the last chapter. Um, you've written that as a play, and now you're adapting it for film? I really would like to. You know, um, I, I've always enjoyed going here to the theater to watch when they will bring in uh, the film of a West End production from London mm-hmm. that somebody has sat there with a camera and filmed that. So you kind of feel like you're in the theater mm-hmm. at the West End. And so I thought gee, maybe we could do that with the last chapter, um, as, as film that. And, and funny enough, it would have Kathy DeBuono and Constance Brenneman. Of course. Because that's, that's how the two of them met, and, and their chemistry was so outstanding in the play, The Last Chapter, that I thought, well, let's see if we can resurrect this this chemistry they have and put and have it come out in Along Came Wanda. Um, and it did. They're good friends, and you, you can just tell. They really like each other. Yeah. Oh, that comes across. That real. It's like you believe. And after, because it's like, hey, I know, I know one of my UPS people. I know, my, whom I'm, I know my mailman. 
I know my grocery guy. You know, you, you really got to know them over lockdown. Um, so oh, yeah. you, you can see friendships develop. You could see how easily that could develop. So this friendship between Wanda and Mary Beth, it feels so honest, so real, um, and not far-fetched at all. But their chemistry, it really it bodes well for these characters. Their personal chemistry bodes so well. Yeah, I think so, too. And and I hope that, you know, maybe next year we can do the last chapter and, and uh, film it as a play, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, let everybody be a member of the audience watching a wonderful, um, serious play in some sense. So. Mm-hmm. Wait, what? Serious? Nothing fun and frothy? Jan! Well, actually, there's one scene around a dining table that gets a little nuts, but, you know... We, yeah, well, Because life needs to have some crazy in it once in a while. And everything gets nuts around a dining room table. Yeah, that, that's a given. Every household in the world, I think, can relate to that. Oh, my gosh. You know, now, where can everybody find Along Came Wanda? Yes, today it released on Valentine's Day. And so it's on Amazon and... Google Play and Voodoo, all and the usual, iTunes. the usual suspects. Um, um, you know the usual suspects. Um, we uh, will. There will be other places um, that you will find it um, when it gets closer to May, and we begin to roll out um, more across Europe. Um, mm-hmm. Then these places will take you, um, and you know and. Uh, but this, you know, what we have now will go to the U.K. and does go to Australia. So, um, yeah, and then there'll be a lot of, we're doing the these first and then going to the AVOD later in May, mm-hmm. June, something like that. Oh, well, uh, it's a perfect Valentine's movie for anybody that's sitting at home today or for all the guys out there who are scratching their heads. What can I do? What can I do? Um, or even even and the girls out there, you, you know, what can I do? It's funny you should say that because I've had I've done a number of interviews and a number of them with men, and the men are all I can't believe that I would love this movie. They I mean they just found all of the wonderful stuff that they could relate to in this movie. So um, I'm I'm happy to know that uh, it's sort of a universal universal theme. Who doesn't want to find love? That's I mean, just. And, and this is a good day to do it. That's it. And who doesn't want to do quirky little things or have funny foibles happen that just endear you to another person? Absolutely. I mean, if, Absolutely. if you can get through watching somebody spill coffee all over themselves or hot soup down their <laughs> leg, um, you can really. You can relate. You can relate. And, and you know, you can get through this. There is hope for you. If you can laugh at that and still like each other, hey, there is hope. Oh, yes, there is definitely hope. We need a bunch of that We now. do. Oh, Jan, this has been so wonderful having you on the show. I hope you'll come back in the future. Oh, yeah, we will. I'll let you know when the next project comes. And, oh, please uh, this do. This has been a, a wonderful way to spend part of my Valentine's Day. Oh, absolutely the same for me jan thank you so much 
And I hope you you take care. You too. And happy Valentine's Day. Same to you. Bye-bye. Bye. And that was Jan Miller Crown, writer, director, along came Wanda. On all the usual suspect digital platforms, it is a fun Valentine's Day film to see. If you're home alone, if you're racking your brain trying to know what to do with your significant other, this is, this is a great, great way to celebrate and spend some time this evening while you're waiting for the pizza delivery guy to come. So, now... I'm so excited to shift gears here and welcome the director of the Slamdance Audience Award winner for Best Documentary Feature, Patrick Longstrath. Welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. Wow. Iron Family Audience Award winner. That's, and that's always a big one for filmmakers, winning the Audience Award. Yeah, it w- it was very exciting for us. You know, talk to me about this documentary. Um, it is so this cast of characters. If you were writing a narrative feature, you couldn't have found a better cast of characters than what we have in the fairies family. Uh, <laughs> th- this right. this is a filmmaker's dream come true, and. For you as a documentarian, it had to be wonderful, um, but also probably a little bit nerve-wracking or frustrating in editing because I'm sure you had so much more great footage in addition to what we see on screen that it killed you to have to edit things out because this family, especially led by Jasmine, are just, they're so funny. They're so authentic, and you never know what they're going to do next. You said it. Um, yeah, they, you know, right off the bat impressed me as um, a family that needed a whole feature film, especially Jasmine. And so, you know, our, our initial chunk of filming was just me and my wife filming for seven days with them. And we only were planning on filming for two or three days, and, and we ended up extending our trip and staying for, uh, you know, seven days and um, just capturing everything we could. And um, they, you know, they're, they're just constantly entertaining. It's like, <laughs> they're all fighting for the spotlight. They're all, um, you know, there's, there's either something um, quirky or or they're arguing about something that, that, you know, is a little different than what normal families argue about. And so we just didn't know um, when to turn the cameras off basically. And then, as you said, when we got into editing, yeah, we did have some tough decisions to make. And, um, you know, Chad, Chad is also a producer on this film. He helped kind of put the whole thing together um, initially and then um, set us up with some, some other um, family members and, and people in the town. And so, and so Chad was giving us, um, you know, some feedback on the edit as well. And he kept saying, well, this needs to be a series, you know, we're going to, we're going to take the feature and then we're going to have a whole, you know, five part Netflix uh, TV show after this. (laughs) Um, so, uh, so, uh, we, we, we definitely have a lot of footage. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe, 
the Ferry family will get another series after this, but because uh, they could definitely um, live up to the hype. The Ferry's family. This comes across as being a. It could be a series on like TLC. Yeah, yeah. This is a TLC I, I kind agree. of series, but you know, to fill yeah. in to fill in the listeners, you know, this centers around Jasmine. Jasmine Ferry. She's thirty-two. She has Down syndrome. She loves Matthew McConaughey. Loves, 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 loves Matthew McConaughey. Soap <laughs> operas, movies, um, Barbies. And she writes these little or has ideas for these little plays that her brother mm-hmm. Chad, who is one of the most supportive brothers I've ever se- seen any t- anywhere, um, he types it up, you know, in script form. Mm-hmm wrangles the fa- you know family members in they play different parts everything is you know everybody's playing a celebrity for the most part and it all centers mm-hmm. around Jasmine but what's very interesting is because we see uh as Chad works with Jasmine he posits questions to her about why mm-hmm. is this really what you would do this is really interesting to see how mm-hmm. he makes her think things through and her actions and reactions in real life, doing it through the character. Because she, ha- she has some, some issues. We have, you know, unrequited stalkery love issues happening here in real life with, Bi- <laughs> with Billy the Balloon Guy. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, you know, you come in and what while they're working on the sixth year of Jasmine's stories... Um, That's right, yeah. <laughs> now, because there's footage from earlier. Now, was Chad filming things earlier? Was somebody else filming things earlier for posterity so that Jasmine would uh, have yeah. them? Yeah, Chad um, took some videos of the early on seasons and some other family members took some, um, you know, cell phone footage. So that's where we get some of the archival stuff from. You know, how did this project even come to you, Patrick? Well, Chad and I knew each other. We were kind of acquaintances around town and just into some of the same music and art and creative stuff going on here in Savannah, Georgia. And he knew that I was a a filmmaker. I'd made some short films. And, um, And so he asked me if I'd be interested in filming it and... He, he didn't expect me to embrace it as a full feature project. Um, but uh, my wife and I were already talking about going up to Michigan in the summer uh, just to get out of the Savannah heat. And so this was a perfect fit for our vacation slash um, creative you know, outlet. And then it just blossomed from there. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm really curious because as a documentarian, Ideally, it's you observe um, mm-hmm. and shoot. But I have to wonder in this case, seeing Jasmine's personality come out on screen, mm-hmm. um, was was Jasmine, did you have the freedom to shoot what you wanted and subsequently edit what you wanted? Or was Jasmine ta- now taking her directorial stage effort into influencing you as a filmmaker? <laughs> uh, hey, that's a good question. I mean, Jasmine does refer to it as her film. 
So, you know, um, we, we have to, I have to kind of uh, correct her sometimes. But um, we did let her view the cut early on. I, I wanted this to be a collaborative effort with her and Chad and Kate and Greg, their dad. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't want this to feel like some type of expose or anything like that or any kind of voyeuristic thing. I, I wanted it to feel like we were working with the family. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, you know, they, they, but they, they're very open about being on camera, you know, like with the whole Billy uh, balloons um, part of the story. <laughs> I didn't want to include that at first, but Jasmine kept mentioning him so much. And when I went back to the footage, I'm like, gosh, we have so much Billy stuff here. <laughs> Maybe we should mention it. Um, and then, so then we kind of sat her down in a separate interview and asked her to kind of clarify some of the Billy stuff. And, um, and then that's where we, we have her on a black backdrop kind of talking about some of her, um, hopes and desires and all that stuff and that kind of tied it all together well of course what i found striking is when you ask her about you know what's her her dream her dream job cupcakes yeah yeah that's right cupcakes that's right (laughs) Um, she still she still sticks with that she's still been talking about the cupcake dream um the other day she made some cupcakes uh, for me, and they were really good. <laughs> we talk, I was like, you know what, Jasmine? Maybe you need your own banking TV show. She's like, oh yeah, I can do that. So, <laughs> Jasmine yeah. seems like she that she can do anything. Mm-hmm. She just yeah. She really she and she's one of these creatives that she's got her hands going in so many different directions with what she wants for costuming for her little plays that she does and. And, mm-hmm. you know, you can tell she loves directing her family members. <laughs> well, she does. She does. I mean, she doesn't get a chance to do it very often. So, you know, because usually they're directing her, telling her what to do. So this is her chance to really flip the script on them. Well, yeah, and what's really interesting is because, you know, she does have Down syndrome. And this is mm-hmm. such an open uh yeah, an open exploration or an open examination. Uh, it doesn't appear like the family was hiding anything. Mom, you know, her mom, Kate, she has health issues. Um, mm-hmm. It's not the most robust economic area uh, mm-hmm. that they live in. But it's mm-hmm. but it really what you really get a great sense of is it's just, hey, this is who we are. But watching Jasmine, because individuals with Down syndrome so often, you know, we've had a, made a lot of headway in the film industry over the years, television and mm-hmm. film industry, um, more headway needs to be made. But there's still that stigma um, mm-hmm. of limited functionality in society. Mm-hmm. But you watch Jasmine and she comes up with these these plot lines and these plot points. I mean, she could give the, in its heyday, she could have given the National Enquirer a run for its money. <laughs> That's right. Uh, you know, and really we wanted to focus on Jasmine's strengths. Uh, you know, obviously she has some limitations and that's why she doesn't have a job at the moment. Um, even though she would like one, 
um, you know, she, she's, she can't really keep a schedule on her own and she can't, you know, she couldn't really work a cash register, but I'm sure she could be a greeter somewhere or a host mm-hmm. or, um, you know, or, or just work in the theater, you know, she could be an actress and, and we're working on getting her more acting roles. Um, of course, it's a little bit of a challenge with her living in Iron River, but there might be other opportunities for her when she comes down here to visit Savannah or um, when she visits Greg in Milwaukee. So, um, you know, we, we really just wanted to focus on her strengths and her personality. And we, we talked early on about how this didn't need to be an educational film. Mm-hmm. Um, this is more of just kind of a, a feel-good, um, you know, character uh, study. Mm-hmm. And um, because not that there's anything against educational movies, and um, I think there's a lot of fantastic educational documentaries out there about um, disabilities, like Crip Camp, for example, was just yes. an amazing breakthrough film a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um but um, we just wanted this to be kind of a supplement to that; those kind of films. This is really an eye-opening film for people that aren't familiar, for moviegoers that aren't familiar, or mm-hmm. think that there are uh, severe limitations. This is an eye-opener. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it, it was an eye-opener for me, too. I had never met with anyone like Jasmine. <laughs> <laughs> really, and I was a little nervous to meet her because I thought, "Why, well, you know, I don't have anyone in my family with Down syndrome. I, I never even went to school with somebody with Down syndrome, so all my interactions had been, you know, a few minutes here and there with somebody. Um, but right away after meeting Jasmine, all of my expectations or concerns uh, were gone because, you know, it was like we were best friends after five minutes, you know." Mm-hmm. So um, she made it really easy for me to just uh, get to know her and not be worried about uh, any sort of um, stigmas or or inaccurate portrayal or anything like that. I just focused on who Jasmine is. Mm -hmm. Now, this is your first feature documentary. You've done Mm -hmm. a lot of work as an editor. You've even you've Mm -hmm. got some visual effects background. Was there any kind of learning curve here for you making this as your first feature doc? Um, well, you know, I, I, so I've been interested in documentaries my whole life. And even though I got more into editing and visual effects for a long time, I, about five years ago, I started getting back into documentaries and um, shooting some things for some local organizations here in town and, um, and so I was on the lookout for a feature subject when this came along and, um, you know, it, it is very different making a feature than a short because with a feature, you really have to think about the story arc, you know, kind of the 90 minute template that is out there for, for any story of, uh, where, you know, you want to show, well, in this case, we wanted to show a character that's kind of struggling and then um, has some triumphs at the end. Um, and it's kind of interesting how we went about shooting it because it didn't didn't actually happen that way in real life. <laughs> um, uh, 
you know, we, we ended up just summing them over the course of a year and then rearranging it and piecing it together to where it feels like there's more of a, a triumph at the end. Um, but really, Jasmine is, is just like on top of the world every day she wakes up. So um, except for maybe when she has a few um, snags or gets upset about something, but it doesn't last very long. So um, so really, it was for me, the, the learning curve was about trying to take all these kind of random pieces that we had gathered and arranging them in a way that was entertaining for the audience. Mm-hmm. And I and I think I learned I learned a lot there. And I drew upon some some reading I've done and some classes I've taken in the past about story writing um, and that really helped. And then Chad himself is a an English professor and a um, student of literature and a poet. So he had some good pointers as we went along as well. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know. yeah, I'm 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 very energized by this film and excited to go and, and make my next one. You know, how challenging was it coming up with this final through line that you have? Um, because when you're shooting piecemeal like that, had you did you start editing and then realize ah, I need more or what was that like? Did you have an idea what your through line would be only to then find, OK, no, I got to shuffle everything around. Uh, because that's really one of the toughest things in a documentary is finding that through line. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, we did start editing right away. And so we were kind of editing as we were shooting. You know, we we had seven days in Iron River, and then we went back again with a drone photographer and got some more, all the establishing footage. And then Jasmine came here. And we filmed some stuff with Jasmine and Chad, and then I filmed more of just Chad. Um, so we, yeah, one of the earlier cuts was really heavy on Chad. So I had to make some tough decisions about how do I take things out about Chad so that he's not overshadowing Jasmine. Um, and I think part of that was just because he he lives here in the same town as me, so it was easy for me to get some more footage of him. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, that was some tough decisions. You know, you got to stick, you got to pick your main character and stick with them. And even if your, you know, secondary characters are very interesting, um, you don't want them to overshadow your main character. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, I guess just, um, uh, showing the cut to some, some friends and colleagues helped a lot. You know, we, we, we originally had a much slower start to the film. I wanted it to be a little more like cinema verite and kind of mysterious. Like you didn't know who the main character was mm-hmm. and you didn't know what was going on really for the first 20 minutes of the film. But I realized that didn't quite work for my first feature film. You know, mm-hmm. um, maybe maybe after I'm the next uh, David Lynch, I can start out <laughs> with a really mysterious start to my film. But but with this, it was like, okay, so then we, we cut a new beginning where it's just kind of a, a minute montage of Jasmine explaining who she is and what her plan is for the play. And so that um, was received much better by audiences once we had that, you know, just kind of um, uh, just splashy introduction to, to who Jasmine is. Yeah, I think um, that, that was... Kind of kick things off. I think that so. was a smart move. On your part. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. Jasmine is such a personality. 
that, mm-hmm. you know, either you're going to love her from the start or you're going to say, oh, my God, help me. Um, <laughs> but, you know, she comes out roaring. The way you have the the film opening now, we know who Jasmine is. And you want and you want to know more. You want to yeah. know more about her from the start. Um, no questions yeah. as to, wow, who is this person? No, we already have You set it up perfectly, Patrick. You did a really beautiful job with the opening to draw everybody in, and then you build upon that. Now, I'm curious because mm-hmm. you have a lot of interviews with family members, with, you know, Mom Kate, with Jasmine calls him her adopted dad, Greg, um, mm-hmm. Aunt Holly, uh did you wait? Did you get this set out with primarily Jasmine and Chad first and then pepper in the interviews with the other family members? Or was it kind of like a continuous, they were in there all along as well? Mm, well, we just got the interviews as we were able to get them. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had to go get Greg in Milwaukee separately, for example. And, um, you know, I guess it was kind of nice the way the interviews worked out because, like, by the time we went to go film Greg, I had some new questions in mind for him that helped fill out some of the story. Um, And, um, you know, I guess the the idea of having the cutaway interviews was, was... in my mind from the start. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, they were all just very forthcoming, you know, in, in telling us about Jasmine and their family history, you know, they're, they're all very on the same page about their family history. You know, they know that, um, they, they moved around a lot. They were, they, all the aunts had kids young and were kind of party animals and mothers at the same time in their (laughs) twenties. Um, now they're, they're a little more settled and, um, you know, just stable and, and they can kind of, um, look back on those years with a sense of humor. Um, and so we got some of that. I mean, really we we got so much great history of the family and, and they're the the grandma who's passed away now is, I I guess I, I, I didn't know her, but we had, we had some footage of her. We didn't get to include but she's really the um you know the really entertaining one who who had an influence on all of them mm-hmm. well and you also you've got a, you had to weave in archival footage too that you got from chad and, yeah. and from the family so you really had yeah. your work cut out for you here yeah yeah there was there was a lot to pick from and then you know you have all the um just description of iron river and the history of iron river that we 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 wanted to make uh you know we 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 didn't want to harp on the whole history of Iron River but we couldn't we wanted to you know give viewers enough to at least pique their interest you know mm-hmm. that this is a this was a booming town and now it's um you know a a, a former smaller version of itself uh, a version of its former self. And um, so there's a lot less jobs. There's a lot less people. 
And I think you get a sense of that just from the cinematography, actually, that yes. kind of tells the story itself. And I got to tell you, I love your cinematography, especially your establishing shots around Iron River. Um, mm. Some of that's really beautiful, Patrick. Really, well, thank be- you. really um, beautiful. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have to admit I'm relying on the landscape, you know, and that, that the scenery did most of the work for me. And then I have this friend who's a great drone photographer, and I was really glad that he could join me. His name's Chris Ryba. And so um, Chad and I just took him to these locations and let him get creative with some shots. And and then we were able to get Chad and Jasmine in some of the shots, which I think really helps the story. I, I don't like when you just see drone footage and it's like stock footage. Right. Um, you know, we got we got Kate and Jasmine riding around in the Cadillac, you know, mm-hmm. through the town, um, singing their songs and um, you know, it just uh brings it all together when you can put the characters in the drone shots. Well, I think one of the most beautiful um segments that you have uh in terms of the locale and the cinematography, Chad and Jasmine at the river, at the Iron River and my God, your footage of the river is beautiful. Oh, it is just beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, that was uh, one where I I woke up that day and it was kind of cloudy out and I thought, oh, maybe this would be an interesting day to film. And we had been driving over this bridge every time we went into town from their house. We'd go over that bridge. And uh, they that, that conversation, I had heard them having... A, the conversation similar to that a few days earlier, but I couldn't capture it. And so I thought, well, let's try to recreate that conversation on the bridge. And uh, they ended up uh, giving me this whole conversation that was even better than I could have imagined. <laughs> so um, it was uh, it was a little bit of coming out of my own imagination, mm-hmm. um, but then they uh, just brought, brought their whole um, relationship to life. Right there on the bridge. So now, what are the plans for Iron Family? Now that you 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 <laughs> know you picked up the award at Slam Dance, are you still on the Fest circuit uh, distribution? What's what's happening with the film right now? Yeah, well, we have an agent who's working to get the film on some streaming service sometime soon, and we um, are trying to reach out to Matthew McConaughey. We think he would really enjoy the film if he could get a chance to watch it. Maybe we can get, you know, a cameo from him in the film. That would be our dream come true. Uh, it, and then... Well, you've got McConaughey, you've got Wahlberg, you got Travolta. <laughs> I mean, right. my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be hard to get all those guys in one place. We'll see. <laughs> but, oh um, my God. So is is there any more coming on the festival circuit yet? Uh, yeah, well, we're waiting to hear back from some other festivals. Um, I hope that we can get a screening in L.A. That would be great just to bring Jasmine to Hollywood. She's never been. Oh, God. So, you know, to get some footage of Jasmine on the Walk of Fame and and uh, standing in front of all of her favorite celebrity site, you know, stuff, um, that would be really fun. And um, well, with that in mind, know, did you did you submit to dances with films? We have we have submitted to dances with films. OK. Yeah, yeah that, that's high on our list. Yeah, because that would be the first thing if you want an L.A. film fest, that would be the first one 
uh, yeah. that, that I would say, especially with this film, that I would say reach out to them and submit there. Yeah, yeah, we, we have submitted. So fingers crossed, Dances with Films would be a big dream come true. And We're, if for no other reason, so we get to see Jasmine in Hollywood, because that footage, I'm sure, that, <laughs> that will give you, you know, another whole feature. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I think I think she could be a good, um, like uh, one of those celebrity. Um, what do they call it? Map of the stars. Oh tours, yes, you know. <laughs> I feel like Jasmine could give one of those tours. Just a bus driving around Hollywood. Jasmine on the microphone. Oh my god! You can see it now. <laughs> so, so what else do you have going now? Um, are you working on any other on any narratives or or docs? Or is everything just concentrated on Iron Family right now? Uh, no, I'm, I'm working on a few other things. Uh, I have a short film, a biograph- short biography documentary that's premiering at the Miami Film Festival next month. And, What's it um, called? It'll be on local Miami television, too. What's so the that's film? exciting. Well, what's the it's film? It's called The Life of Bill Baggs. Um, so if you go to my website, patricklongstreet.com, you'll see the trailer for it there. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a cool story. It's um, this guy, Bill Baggs. There's a park named after him in Miami called Bill Baggs State Park. And he was a newspaper editor. So it's kind of um, rare for a park to be named after a newspaper editor. Um, but he lived a very interesting and influential life. He's kind of like a Forrest Gump of South Miami. Uh-oh. He was... You know, uh, he he interviewed um, Fidel Castro, and he um, had a direct phone line to Jack Kennedy. Um, he uh, just knew all sorts of famous people. He traveled to Vietnam and met with Ho Chi Minh and wow. tried to convince him to end the Vietnam War. Um, so he just had this amazing life, and nobody really knows about him outside of Miami. And then he died at age 45. Um, died very young so um, a friend of mine wrote this book about him and so I worked with her to um, create a short uh, 30 minute um, biography of this guy okay I am I'm beyond intrigued I am beyond intrigued now I will definitely go to your website to look at the trailer my god thank you (laughs) please do and yeah I'm working on some other projects um, another historical Thing about a kind of a tragedy that happened in um, South Georgia uh, 50 years ago um, and, and kind of about how the community came together um, and to, to overcome it. It's kind of a long story. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to get into it now, but we're working on getting some grants for that one. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm very interested in historical documentaries, but I'd also love to film another, um, you know, character um, study like like we did with Iron Family. Mm-hmm. Well, you've done a heck of a job with Iron Family, Patrick. Um, obviously, at some point, I think we may see a, a, a part two, a sequel to this. <laughs> if Jasmine, you know, keeps it up and gets her way. Um, wow. Uh, Patrick, That's right. thank you so much for being on the show today to talk about Iron Family. Um, hey, thanks a lot for having me. An absolute. Oh, let me add. Let me add. You can go to ironfamilyfilm.com if you want to, you know, follow our progress. And there's also podcasts that we did with Jasmine because she's an amazing um, 
just celebrity trivia savant. And so we, we feature some of that in her podcast. So if you want more Jasmine, just go to ironfamilyfilm.com. Wonderful. Patrick, please come back on the show again. I would love to have you in the future. Great. Thanks for having me, Debbie. Thank you, Patrick. Bye-bye. Take care. Okay, bye. And that was Patrick Longstreth talking about Iron Family. So go to Iron, what is it, ironfamilyfilm.com, Pam? Yes, ironfamilyfilm.com. And you can follow along, see what's happening with distribution. Will they get a streaming deal? You know, what is Jasmine up to? Because once you watch that, trust me, you will laugh and you will love watching this documentary. Um, it is a lot of fun. So that is all the time we have today. I was debating whether to do a very special pre-recorded interview, but I think we're going to wait, especially since it's going to be up on my website tonight because it's already done. <laughs> so for more, there's a lot of new interviews up on the website, behindthelensonline.net. So check them out. Uh, and there'll be more coming this week. Next week, we do not have a show next week so that Pam can have a day off for the three-day President's Weekend. She deserves a three-day weekend. Uh, we will be back on the 28th of February, uh, the day after the SAG Awards, the day of the Hollywood Critics Association Awards. I may be pulling my hair out that day, um, but we will be back on the 28th. So until then, I'm Debbie Elias. This is Behind the Lens. Thank <laughs> you.